expanding the Nerdosphere, talking about everything you want to hear. From comics to cosplay, from the cinematic universe to fan films and everything in between. It's time to get down and nerdy. Here are your hosts, James Witham and Nick Pataglia. And you've reached episode 54 of Down and Nerdy, where unlike Bruce Wayne, when it's our birthday, our parents are there to celebrate with us. Yes, absolutely. So that's probably a good thing. <laughs> I'm Nick Patang alongside the birthday boy. I'm James Witham, and thank you so much just right off the bat for uh, the birthday wishes on the page, facebook.com slash Down and Nerdy, and, and anywhere else you sent them to me, they, they really mean a lot. Yeah, so that's why I, I started with the whole birthday thing. I, I texted James. Normally James, as you know, opens up the show, and I'm like, dude, I have a line. I just thought of my head when I first woke up this morning. I got to open the show. Yeah, and hey, it worked out quite well. And I'm, I'm just glad that there will be no plays that we're going to see <laughs> for my birthday or anything like that. Pretty much sworn off that ever since <laughs> I became a Batman fan at a young age. Probably a good idea. Now here's a question. Are there going to be strippers during your birthday? Only if my wife decides to. See, you're the the type of guy who literally would go to a strip club that's a superhero-themed strip club, and you would only be more worried about, not the lap dance, but you'd be more worried about their cape getting all wrinkled and shit. Like, like my goal is to literally open up a superhero th- uh, strip club, call it Capes, but have, like, superheroes go on stage. There'd be no dancing, no nudity. All they do is go on stage and take off their masks and reveal their identities or dollar bills and justice every night. So you've got Grant Gustin on a pole pulling back his mask. No, there's no pole. On, a, on the nightly. No, there's no pole. It's just, like, a, like maybe, like, a turnstile, like, like rotator kind of thing. Does it is it is it seductive? Do you kind of you know you throw the head back and all that stuff? <laughs> is there pelvic thrusting involved? I don't know. No, but like Superman, like when he takes off his glasses, like it just rains kryptonite from a bucket, like uh, Flash dance. Yeah, there you go. Although that would be bad for him. I'm not sure he'd be down with that. <laughs> <laughs> or, or for Batman, just like rain ashes of his dead parents. Oh, <laughs> it just got dark. <laughs> it really did. But you have a story you wanted to tell before we go even further and highlight what we're doing this week. Okay, so, and this is not really nerd-related, but I think it's I think it's very interesting. Uh, so I decided for my birthday, I decided I was going to go to McDonald's, because that's what I wanted, and I love McDonald's. You know how much I love McDonald's. I talk about it all the time. Yeah, I had it last night. Well... So I go in there and I get a number and I went through the drive through. I had my dogs with me and of course my son went through the drive through and decided, all right, I'm going to get a Big Mac. I haven't had a Big Mac in a while. This is awesome. Now we all know two all beef patty, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions on a sesame seed bun, right? <laughs> yes. Well, sometimes they really load you up with a special sauce. I'm like, all right, I'm ready. I'm digging in. I'm like Gabriel Iglesias with a box of donuts. I'm ready to go. Right. <laughs> right. So I open it up and I look in the bag and I'm like, huh. I have no napkins at all. So I'm like, I don't know if this is a statement on McDonald's being lackadaisical, not putting napkins, or did they just have a lot of confidence in my ability to eat this without getting any of the sauce on my hands? Right. Needless to say, that did not work out for me because they decided to pretty much empty the dispenser of special special sauce onto my big bag. So, <laughs> so let's... So you end up using your son's bib as a napkin, is that what you're telling me? Let's just say it's a good thing I had two dogs in the car with me. Oh, yeah, dude. My God, it was all over my hands. It was, it was, I don't even know, and I'm not a messy eater at all. Not oh. at all, but 
this was the wrong sandwich to be getting without any napkins. So I don't know if anybody else has ever been there before, but I just thought that was funny. I'm like, wow, they really think, um, and then I've thought it was like a reality show where I have to eat this, you know, right. without getting anything it's on me because like, there's a camera somewhere. It's kind of like you're doing like supersize me, like, do, like the, but the dirty jobs version of it. Yeah, and exactly. A camera on, you're like, well, I got to eat it. You know, uh, you're like, talk- is Mike Rowe going to pop up and judge me if I get this on myself? Yeah, or or Chris Hansen's come out. Let's have a seat here, James. What are you doing? Like, what, what are you what are you doing? Let's have a seat and talk about it. You know, I'd be more worried about Chris Hansen coming out if I was at Wendy's. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, but if you ever watched to catch a predator, they all brought Wendy's. What is the deal? I know. Oh God! It's like now I want you to wear the Wendy's outfit. Now, like, now Wendy's, I, I love you guys. The Baconator, hey, love it. Not saying anything. Uh, not saying anything. I'm just saying it's a pretty big coincidence. <laughs> just, dude, your poor dogs, man. They gotta have the the, the secret sauce shits now, and you gotta clean yeah, it up. It's gonna be ugly. But, um, uh, but speaking of ugly, we're gonna be talking about video game movies this week, James. Oh boy, and it's not just gonna be a hey, let's bash video game movies for 20 minutes. No, it's actually gonna be a discussion about you know where they where we've been, where we are now, and the future of what is going to be video game movies because you know we've got last of us coming we've got another tomb raider franchise coming so we want to see if there is indeed a future for video game movies yeah and also we're going to look at some video game movies that we saw i mind you that huh i i on the facebook page i put up uh you know that i was doing some research as we always do each week for our main topics and stuff and so i had to watch a bunch of video game movies actually some of them i actually had uh, a lot of them i found on hulu and I'm just like, yay, I walk through the valley of the pixel death. I shall fear no video game film, pretty much. That's right. And maybe we'll even talk about some video games that didn't get movies that maybe should have. Or maybe yeah. still will. Who knows? Still waiting out for that Paperboy movie. That's right. Oh, I've been dying for that. Just dying for that. But <laughs> we were. I was going to say, I was going to, I think we do need to mention this. And we're going to do it briefly. We're going to do it in nerd news. But like, you know what? Screw it. It's not big enough. But we do want to mention it. Uh, Jesse Eisenberg coming out. As uh, Lex Luthor, breaking news this past week, um, he's bald. Let it. Let's let it go now. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's pretty much it. Like when I saw the photo, I'm like, everyone's like, oh my god, yes. I'm like, it's just, it's just a guy with a shaved head. It's not like you know. Here's you know what Ben Affleck's gonna look like in the Batman suit, and here's the Batmobile's gonna look like. It's like here's a bald man. Well, and not only that, but. Remember all the bitching and complaining about, oh, he's got hair. This mean to me, this means, this is confirmation that set photos from some random person in Detroit that just happened to be there with a long angle lens that could get a shot of Jesse Eisenberg from the top of a building, those cast, fo- those fan photos from the sets don't mean anything. Well, even then, you on a previous episode, we were talking about this stuff, you even said, like, hey, there was a comic where Lex Luthor did have hair, so here's the route they could go if they're going that way. So, and I, I mean, think he might actually start the movie with hair. I wouldn't be surprised. So, But I'm just like, but it's to the point now, can we just let this go now? Are we, right. are we done? Like, are, you, are you done? Are you done? Are you done? Yes. <laughs> Love like Kevin Hart there. Are you done? Are you done? Yeah, no, it's, it's that's what it is. I mean, you know, it's Lex Luthor, so I mean, it's not like they're showing him in his, like, uh, robot body kind of thing, you know? Right. I actually want them to go old school uh, uh, Super Friends outfit Lex Luthor, who's got, like, the Michelin Man outfit. Yeah. I don't know why, but I always had that action figure when I was younger, and I always thought that that was a really cool suit. I know I'm an idiot, but that's what <laughs> I'd like to see for some reason. I just think that'd be cool. 
Yeah, so that's what's going to be coming up uh, this week as well as we also got some big nerd news as well. You know, we're talking about the Fraggle Rock movie. We're talking the X-Files coming back and a bunch more stuff. We're talking about Attack on Titan, Gate Tainment. But coming up next, it's what we're reading. Stay tuned. More Down Nerdy coming up next. Well, it's that time, nerd nerd. That's we get out those long boxes because it's time to discuss what we're reading this week. And because it's James's birthday, I'm going to have the birthday boy go first. Ah, uh, isn't that nice of you? Well, this week I was going to review Hit 1957 from Boom Studios, but it didn't work out. Couldn't get a copy. I know that Bob over at Fantasy Escape Comics and Cards in Virginia Beach can order it for me just like he can for anything else. But I was like, you know what? I'm going to go a different route. I mean, I'll probably still read that comic, but I'm going to go a different route. So I decided to go with, because of all the talk we had last week, I decided to go with the Batgirl number one one-shot for the Endgame tie-in. And I'm actually glad I did, and there's a reason. I'll let you know that in a second. First, I want to let you know this is written by Cameron Stewart and Brendan Fletcher okay. with color, colors and art by Bengal. Yeah. Now, the cover art is done by, you know who, Raphael yep. Albuquerque. Very cool cover, just like we thought the last one was, but we won't go there. Anyway, the most interesting thing about this book. Yeah. First of all, to tie into the Endgame run for Batman, for anybody who's not reading it, the Endgame virus, they say, is at 97% throughout, uh, throughout the city. So the interesting thing about this book, there is not one single solitary line of dialogue or monologue in the entire book. Really? Not one word uttered by anyone in the okay. entire book. Okay, so pretty much you bought a long picture book. It was. It's very interesting. They're letting the art tell the story. And everything is done via text and social media. It's very different. Okay. So Barbara Gordon is getting messages from her... Her version of Oracle, I guess you could say, Frankie. And basically, she needs to rescue uh, some people that are on this bus in the Burnside neighborhood from the people that are infected with the virus and get them off the bus and get them to a safe zone that's located in the Burnside area. Well, one of the people on this bus just happens to be Lucius Fox's daughter. Okay. So very important that they get her off the bus. Now, as you're going along, she's, you know, getting messages and getting phone calls to find out where she needs to be. And she's trying to upload something onto billboards and stuff like that. Now, it turns out that this bus is also now rigged to blow. And so is the bridge that it's on. So since there's no, the only actual dialogue bubble in this book Mm -hmm. is, you know, the little poop emoticon. No. That they have on Facebook. Really? Yeah. They, they put that's that in what's, there? That's what's coming out of her mouth because basically it's her saying shit. shit. So wait, is Keanu Reeves on this bus? No, unfortunately he's not. Oh, and the bus isn't moving either because it's it's trapped walking dead style with all of these, you know, people that are infected with the endgame virus around it. And it turns out they got everybody off the bus except for Lucius's daughter because they couldn't find her. See, she ends up on the top of the bus. Long story short, of course, Batgirl, you know, braves the infected people on the bridge and goes to save Lucius's daughter. I won't tell you exactly all the details of what happens because I don't want to spoil it. The only line that comes out of her mouth at the end of the book is, whew, so that should kind of tell you how that goes. But uh, I will say that for a book with no words in it, it actually told the story pretty good. 
Okay. And it almost seemed like it was like, okay, so here's why she's nif- different and is using modern technology that everybody else uses and actually didn't need to talk to anyone to be able to do this. And, you know, there's plenty of parts of her kicking ass and, you know, being strong and just saying, you know what, I've got to save her. Screw this. I'm going in. Very, you know, very Bat Family-esque to just take on all comers and go in there and 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 save Lucius's daughter, who, you know, is very important, obviously, to the Bat family. So I will say that I'm not sure if this would be a pull for me, of course, because it's a one-shot. Uh, I would say pick it up if you're a Batman fan and you're interested in the Batgirl run, because I've been kind of curious about it even before the whole cover controversy came out. You know, what's this character really like? Well, and uh, it's very interesting. Well, especially because they're going more towards a young adult audience. So you kind of want to see how they're going to gear the book in the, in the series mm-hmm. towards that young audience. So, yeah, it's, it brings a sort of uniqueness and a sort of a wonderment to, like, how are they going to do this? So, yeah. And I'm sure I'm sure the other books have plenty of, you know, dialogue and monologue in it as well. And there's, you know, it's almost like the writers themselves actually got to take the issue off because, again, there was no... I mean, Stuart and Fletcher were like, okay, this is how we're going to do the book, so you want me to write few at the end and that's it? Okay, I'll cash my check for that. There's no problem. Exactly. So um, it definitely was interesting. It was it was a good tie-in to the uh, main run. Could could it have done without... Could the end game story have done without it? Yeah, probably. But it's a nice little tie-in to know that there's something going on in the uh, Burnside area where Batgirl's been kind of hanging out in these last... Uh, several issues since the soft reboot, so it's good to know there's something going on there, and she's dealing with it. Oh, okay. So, is this, so this is a poll for you then, or a pick up? I would say pick it up if you're if you're already reading Endgame and you're kind of curious to see how the Batgirl run is. If you're already wondering whether or not you should read it, I would say go ahead and pick it up. I think you'll be interested by it. All right. Well, my turn now. I stayed within the DC realm, kind of. I went Vertigo. Uh, I went with Suicide number one by Vertigo, and the writer is Lee Bermejo. Now, he also is the artist for it, and he did the cover art as well. So just one paycheck, one guy. <laughs> well done, sir. Well, I mean, Matt Hollinsworth also did the colors for it, so, I mean, two paychecks. But, yeah, Lee Bermejo was pretty much like the triple threat, in a sense. He did the, you know, the writing, the art, and the cover art for it. And it, Bob or Fanscape referred this to me. I was went to pick up my poll the other day, and... I told him, you know, I was just looking at some stuff because he's, because, you know, I'm, I'm reading Batman Eternal that ends next week. Right. Uh, and he's just like, you know, I'm looking for something that it to take over for it. Now, it's a monthly comic, mind you, too. I just picked up issue number two uh, yesterday, actually. Here's the thing. So the plot takes place in the city of New Angeles, which was formerly Los Angeles. Now, the reason why it's called that is because this takes place years after a humongous earthquake, a.k.a. the big one, which in real life, I, you know, I lived in Los Angeles, a lot of people referred that to as, you know, when's the big one coming? When's the big earthquake mm-hmm. co- coming? And so it caused major deaths, and a wall was built, pretty much, like a fence. It separated New Angeles from Los Angeles. And Los, Los Angeles is kind of like the districts and Hunger Games, and New Angeles is like the capital. Okay. So you have these people who are in Los Angeles trying to get themselves in there and smuggle themselves in there and come over illegally. And the entertainment industry is in charge of everything. Oh, that's a good idea right there. Yeah. (laughs) Now, our main 
person is called the saint. Now, the reason why I say person because we don't know if he's a good guy or a bad guy. And he's what's called a suicider. Now, suiciders are pretty much modern-day gladiators. And it's two people in full-on armor who fight to the death. And, of course, like, you know, in the old Coliseum days, you had the lions and the tigers going after the gladiators at the same time. The oh two gladiators are fighting each other. <sighs> or should I do it like George Takei? Oh, my. Oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like when these two guys are – when the saint is fighting this guy – you have like, this big turret, uh, turret cope and starts shooting at them both and everything else. And it's pretty cool. Now, not much is known about the saint. And meanwhile, there's this other group of people, like I said earlier, who live in Los Angeles. And they don't speak any English whatsoever. It's all broken up and everything else, the writing. So kind of like Los Angeles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And, and that's why, guys, it's, it's, it's kind of a sense on immigration today in a sense. And it's pretty, it was pretty eye-opening, in, in a sense, too, because you have, of course, the guards that are watching the fence, making sure nobody comes in illegally. And, and like I said, now we just know about the saint and what happened to him, his whole life story. He's like that mystery kind of guy. And the art, and I showed you the first issue the other night. Oh, yeah. The art is simply beautiful. It really is. I mean, the detail and just the way it pops right off the page is really intense. In the first issue, there's a page, and James is what I'm talking about, where... The saint is going up against this guy, and there's in big pink neon letters is the word kill. Mm-hmm. And it's like this big turret that they're lunging at each other in front of. And the writing is really, really good. The writing, because the thing is, you have these people who are in Los Angeles, and they're not speaking English, so it has that barrier in there. Mm-hmm. So it, and it brings that real world thing of what's going on today is with all the immigration stuff and everything mm-hmm. else. So it's a good way of bringing in real world issues and stuff like that and topics to the comics and not making it beating you over the head with it. It's and, funny because we were just talking about that last week about how you know you should bring real world issues into comics like this, whether you want to just bring attention to it or just make it more real for the readers. So it's good that you actually found a book that's actually doing that right now and doing it well. Yeah, and what I liked about the book is, like I said, the entertainment industry runs everything. Not much is really known who heads it and everything else. But pretty much with all of the, uh, the Saint panels, when he's fighting – all you reading, all you're reading is commentary from the play-by-play guys who are doing the fight. Nice, and it's really well written. Like it's really, really good, and it's and it's book is really, really great. It has a lot of mystery in it. I started reading some of issue two, and it's pulled me in. I told Bob again. Bob referred this to me. He's like, it's "You got pulled to read you in, it. has it? it?" It's pulled me in. Literally. Okay, see, now the puns are on you. Yeah, thank you very much. Well, you kind of like. Put the hook in so you just drag me into the water with you to drown. I really did. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, again, the writing's great. The art's phenomenal. The story. It, and that's the thing is that it differs between two sets of people. You got, you know, the, the, the capitalistic people, you know, the District 1's type of people mm-hmm. who have everything and stuff like that. Uh, and, and, and mind you, too. The way that they do this is because it's Los Angeles. So plastic surgery is everywhere, right? Oh, of course. So the Warriors actually have like, you know, what like one of the, the play-by-play guys say, oh, the guy that, you know, the Saints fighting, he got, you know, these artificial calf implants. So that's why his jumping has been better than his last fights and stuff. Interesting. And so it's like everybody ha- – so it's kind of like your corner man. 
you know, you have got your cut man and everything else. You, you got have, a plastic surgeon. Yeah, now. literally. You literally <laughs> have a plastic surgeon as like your cut man pretty much. And it's pretty amazing too. And again, I liked it a lot. The writing is great. And because it's set in two different things or two sets of people, you're not losing track of what you're reading. It's not like, okay, I'm reading this fight and then they go back to the, the immigrants who are trying to get in. And you're not losing track. You know what I'm saying? You're like, oh, man, it's not like you're watching the new Godzilla movie. You're like, oh, I was just going to gonna say that, yeah. They're about to fight, and then it pulls you in like, oh, I don't want any more of these humans. I want, you know, I want to, the gladiators, you know? Yep, yep. But it does a good job of relevating stories and regulating stories between the two arcs. And something tells me that the whole immigration thing is going to tie in with the saint. It seems like it's a, it's kind of a in a in a way a have and have not story yeah. as well mixed in. So it's a little, it sounds like it's got a lot going on for it. The final thing I would say about this is with the Saints character, something tells me. I guess there's only two issues in the, the series. Is only two issues in. Something tells me the Saint is not who he is. He I think he's somebody who illegally got in, and we'll find more about that afterwards. Because like he's trying to do. Like, the thing is that there's this reporter who's trying to get him to do an interview, and he just says no, you know, no interviews kind of thing. So he's very secretive. Right. So it's, it's really makes sense. It's really good character development for him and a lot of good wonderment. But that's going to do it, folks. Put away those long boxes. Put away those bags and boards for now because that's it for what we're reading. But coming up next, we'll be talking about Attack on Titan, the new trailer dropped a couple days ago. We're going to be talking about it for the live action film as well as some of the anime show as well. So stay tuned. Geek Tame coming up next and Down and Nerdy. Well, I know the show doesn't come with subtitles, but it's time for This Week in Geektainment, and we're going across the Atlantic and the Pacific to Japan because we're going to be talking about the Attack on Titan movie that's going to be coming out next. Yeah, now, this is a live-action Attack on Titan trailer, of course, based on the recent anime series of the same name, which James and I both watched. I'm a little bit farther than James. about 15 episodes in. James, I know you're about three episodes in. Well, I think that from this show, anybody that's listening on a regular basis knows how I feel about anime. So I, yeah. I did I did try it. I have watched a, a little bit of it. We'll get a little, little bit more into that as we go. Now, this was only a 30-second trailer, but I actually think from the episodes that I watched, I, it kind of sums up this series pretty well in this 30 seconds. Yeah, now the film is directed by it's uh, Shinji Hujuchi. Yeah, you're going to take the names here, by the way. <laughs> yes. Uh, and the film, so Toho Studios is behind the production. And the film's going to open uh, Japan on August 1st and September 19th, so they broke it up, which is, I can see why. Cause it makes perfect it, sense. I mean, it's, it's way bigger there. I understand. Yeah. Well, no, not just that, but the series itself is 25 episodes. Right. You know, so I mean, you're gonna split it up, and it's a lot to take in. It's a lot if you watch it right from the in. beginning. It's a lot to take in from the first episode, which I thought the first one kind of dragged a little bit, but I understand why they did it once we got to the end. Yeah, so the plot of it, for you who don't know, Attack on Titan is it's pretty much set in these 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 different towns, these different districts, and uh, after his hometown is destroyed by you know these Titans, and his mother's killed. Uh, Aaron Yeager, who he joins like these special forces to fight the Titans along with his friends. Mikasa, who's kind of like his adopted sister in a sense, and yeah. Armin, who's like his best friend. And they pretty much go, you know, fight the Titans on a break of extinction. Not going to spoil really anything. As the series progresses, we find out there's a little bit of something special about Aaron. That's all we're going to say about that. But I got to say, like as I was watching the, the, the anime itself, you know, a quick little thing about Armin, I'm like, He's the most annoying fucking character ever. Oh, I know, he, he really is. He attributes nothing. Until, like, they literally waited like 12 episodes to like give him any purpose. It's kind of like 
if Neville Longbottom was a whiny bitch boy. It's funny because I was thinking the same thing, and I'm only like three or four episodes in, and I'm like, is there a point to this kid at all? And then now that you told me that around episode 12 that somebody, something actually happens, now that kind of ends that mystery for me, that they ask some, he's actually going to contribute a contributing member of some sort of society at some point. Yeah, and then Mikasa, of course, like I said, it's kind of like they're friends, but it's kind of like she's been like an adopted sister. So they'll get more into her. They'll get they get more into her uh, biography, how she kind of became adopted by Aaron's family. And it's uh, funny because she's kind of like the tough one. She's the badass of it, dude. And, and, it's, and it's funny awesome. because I mean I know that some people are thinking Mikasa isn't that a store where you can buy crystal and stuff yeah. like that here in America? No, actually Mikasa was the name of a Japanese warship in the late 1800s and early 1900s. So that could be what they got the name as one of the strongest uh, Japanese uh, ships in their fleet at the time. So that's probably with her being such a strong character, and maybe there's some parallels there. Maybe a wink yeah. and a nod. I don't know. Yeah, look at James Witham with the history knowledge there. Got to do what I can here. I, I, exactly, and but the thing is, like, so we watched the trail of it, and it looks. I like it. I mean, they didn't show too much. They showed, of course, the big main Titan there. They didn't show the armor Titan though. But the thing is, they didn't really show any of the really the main Titans' faces either. But again, more of a Jaws thing kind of thing. I think you go with with the regular Titans. Like now, the thing about the regular Titans, people don't know, is they're all different sizes. Like you have like. You know, these huge ones, and you have ones that are like 12 meters, or they're huge, you know, and there's like 10 meters. There's ones that are really, really small, like childlike. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they look like they have like different abilities. Like, some can maybe run fast. There's one that looks like it can, like, it's called a Unique Titan. Oh, I remember that from that one episode. Oh, too. dude. Oh, gosh. So, Unique Titan pretty much has like this god, unbelievable leaping ability. And he pretty much leaps towards the tower as the guy's coming at him. He pretty much just bites him in half. Which is funny because I think in the trailer what they kind of paid homage to was like the tail end of the first episode of the of the anime series. Where, yeah. I mean, if you've seen the trailer, the Titans break through this uh, this giant wall, and they get they get more into the wall in the first few episodes and uh, everything that's happened there. I think that's what they're paying homage to more than anything. And talk about a lot going on in thirty seconds. This trailer really had a lot going on in 30 seconds. Yeah, it was all a- that stuff just flying everywhere. And I think they actually adapted it quite well from the anime to live action with just the, like that giant uh, stone steeple that went flying across in the first episode. They kind of had that in the trailer, and I thought that was a very good choice to do for the 30 seconds. Yeah, again, I can't. I I would like. I've heard that they're gonna give it subtitles and bring it over to America. I really would love. I can't wait to see it. But if it does come to America, even when it comes out like, like a DVD, you know what I'm saying, or something like that, I will literally go buy it. You know, I'm gonna say this right now: trying to watch something with subtitles with an infant in the room <laughs> is not easy because you know you can't exactly just ignore them for. 30 minutes at a time. So sometimes I'll look up and I'll go, okay, wait a minute, what just happened? Because I don't speak Japanese. Maybe I need to learn if I'm going to watch the rest of this. Yeah, that's the one thing too. Like, you know, I live by myself in my apartment. And the thing is like, you know, if I'm making dinner or if I'm doing something, normally I'll have like a podcast going on or something like that going on in the background or even like a movie, but like I can hear, you know, the Eng- you know, they're speaking something English. Something you've seen before. Yeah. yeah, you're very familiar with, you know, you hear it so you know what's going but on. Yeah. I can't like do anything. Like, I, like you know, if I'm going to the bathroom, I got, I got to bring my laptop with me when I'm, you know, and I, or if I'm going, uh, you know, if I'm eating, I got to bring my laptop with me. If I'm cooking i have to have literally the laptop right there by the stove with the attack on titan going so i can read the subtitles while i'm making dinner you, you know, know how dirty people feel right now knowing that you probably edit the podcast while you're in the bathroom 
Well, it, it's nice aesthetics. Let's you're you're, you're listening right now to this, knowing that Nick is editing the show in the bathroom. So just be, be <laughs> grateful that there's no there's no smell of vision on down and nerdy. Let's just say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. That's it. But I, I like the acoustics in it. It's a lot better. You know, the way and that they are the, great acoustics. Yeah. Well, you know the way that we do nerd news, the way it reverbs off the tile. I mean, it of the shower. It just it it really gives it that that nice edge to it. It's got that nice shower steamy flavor. <laughs> oh, okay, we're going a little bit too far there, but <laughs> but uh, anyways, final thoughts on Attack on Titan tra- on the trailer and even um, the series in general. I, I like. The story, of course, I'm not a big anime fan. I just don't find it visually appealing. But the story is interesting, and and I think that it'll make for a good feature. Actually, I think that it will do well here in America. Yeah, um, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm a lot more farther than James is on the series. But as you progress in the series, uh, you find out that you know Aaron, there's a little bit of a mystery going on at his house that's been destroyed in the basement. Something his dad maybe uh, has going on that he gave him a key for. Before you know, yeah, yeah, I saw that too. Yeah, uh, so you know, it's more with that, and like, what's this big, great mystery? And you know, I mean, I heard some people say, well, it falls into some pitfalls of anime, and you know, that's the thing, you know, I haven't really noticed them because I don't watch, I haven't really watched anime since you know, honestly, since the Toonami days ended, you know, with Dragon Ball Z and Gundam and stuff like that. Um, but I liked it, I, I, I can't, you know, I, I literally, you know, the episodes are only 20 minutes a piece, which are nice, you know, and and the thing is, too, is I find myself, you know, watching probably about five episodes a day, mm-hmm. um, and I can't wait to finish it. And I, as far as the trailer goes, I think that, you know, Japan put a lot of money into this. Toho put a lot of money into this just for what the effects look like and everything else. And I think they want to do it right, and I think there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, throw all the money at it you need. Oh, I mean, when it comes to Toho, I haven't really seen anything bad that they've really done wrong. You know what I'm saying? Like, they're, you know, when it comes to like making these types of monster esque films, Toho is pretty much in the forefront and was really go all into it. They're kind of like the Disney of Japan in a sense. Yeah, I, I agree with that. So it'll be very interesting to see exactly how far they go with this. And maybe they want this to be their big crossover from Japan into America. But that's going to do it for this week in Geek Taming and Attack on Titan. Coming up next, a whole bunch of nerd news coming at you on Down and Nerdy. Well, it's that time, boys and girls, nerd and that's alike, where we go around the interwebs and find out what's trending, James, because it's time for what? Nerd news! And we actually have breaking news, James. Jubilee, according to Brian Singer's actual official Twitter page. Actually, it's Instagram. Instagram. And Instagram as well. He also tweeted as well. Uh, Jubilee is going to be an X-Men Apocalypse. And it's actually going to be actress Lana Condor is going to be joining the team. And, of course, she's a fan favorite, so... This is going to make 90s X-Men fans very, very happy. That's what I was going to bring up. I was going to bring up that angle. Uh, here's the thing. So Jubilee's in here. Uh, there's rumors pretty much that Chain Tames Gambit is likely going to be in it. Uh, you have Apocalypse as the main bad guy. Who was the big bad guy in the animated series? Apocalypse. Mm-hmm. You know, for, a, for pretty much like the first season or probably the second season. So, I mean, here's the thing. You look at this. Could they be going for that route? Could it maybe be more of a live-action X-Men Amid series kind of a, a take? It kind of seems that way, and you almost say to yourself, why not? Right. You know, why not do that? Because the animated series was so popular. Why not do, obviously it's probably going to have to be a little bit of a darker adaptation. Yeah. So, But why not do that? Exactly. Now, I mean, I looked at her IMDb page. There's nothing really there. I mean, literally, there's nothing there. It's just her picture, and then that's it. Uh, so I don't know if this is her first film or not or, or what, but 
Uh, this is hey. our first film. Hey, way to uh, indoctrinate yourself into the world <laughs> of Hollywood. Let me tell you. Yeah, so congratulations to Elena Condor. Now, our next story, James, deals with the X-Files coming back. So we reported a couple months ago, actually, that the X-Files was in talks of being revived at Fox. And now it's official. Fox announced via press release that the X-Files is going to be a six-part limited series on their network. Both David Duchovny and Julian Anderson are set to return as the series leads Fox Mulder and Dan Scully. Also, show creator and executive producer Chris Carter is back as well. Now, a little bit of people giving them information who might not know much about the X-Files. It was a nine, it had nine series on Fox from 93 to 2002. It had two movies in 98 and 2008. And there are actually comics that actually never really stopped. Um, They're actually still going. Yeah, yeah, season 10 right now over at IDW. So I read some of the books, not the comic books, but they actually had a couple hardcover mm-hmm. books mm-hmm. Uh, that they sold. They were pretty much, you know, episodes, but in written form. And uh, what was called The Host, and I think what was called, like, The Town or something like that. The Host kind of dealt with, it was actually one of the, the ones I actually would want to see on go back to watch the series. Uh, dealt with like this sewer monster who kind of like attacked people in a sense and pretty much of a beastie looking thing. So mm-hmm. now that this is back, James, how excited are you that the X-Files are back? And do you want to believe now? I was a big X-Files fan with the when the original series came out in the first few seasons. Of course, when Duchovny left the show, me, just like a lot of other people, I kind of drifted away from it. Uh, I thought the first movie was pretty good. Second movie, eh, not so much. Yeah. Um, but I'm very excited for this. I think it's very smart what they're doing. They're doing the same thing they did with uh, 24 Live Another Day, where they're going to do a limited run. And if you think about it, Nick, a lot of shows are going the Game of Thrones to- type of route, where they're going to run 6 to 13 episodes in a season instead of doing a long 24, 25 episode run. Well, yeah, and here's the thing. You're going more, like I said, it's more of the British route because you look like Doctor Who and all yeah. the other British shows. Yeah. They have, you know, 12 episodes, eight episodes, kind of thing like that. And I like that because, A, when you're marathoning something, you're not like, oh, God, I got 22 episodes, you know, to watch before I go into the next season. Right. But with this, you're like, hey, six, six mm-hmm. episodes – you know, there was rumor that they're going to make it a two-season thing, so maybe we have to get a total of 12 as it goes on. Who knows? Uh, maybe we'll get another movie off of this as well. But I kind of like seeing that this is making a comeback. A lot of people have been clamoring for it. Uh, they said, I'll get back into it. I think she makes me want to go back. I think the, I think the show is on Xbox, on Xbox, on Hulu or I think on it is. Netflix. Yeah, it's on one or the other, and I'll probably go back and watch the first couple seasons before this comes out. And speaking of Dragon On, Agents of Shield, perfect example. I think if any show needed to cut itself to like thirteen episodes in a season, it's Agents of Shield. I really think it would be a lot more exciting if they did that. But this. I think that if they went and came, tried to come back and do a full season order of even 13 episodes to come back, I think it would be too much. I think people would get sick of it. I think that doing it this way is very smart, just like NBC is doing the same thing with Heroes Reborn when they bring that back. And that's going to be a little bit of a limited thing. So it's just like this is just like 24. Maybe we get more. Maybe we don't. But I think people are going to be really excited and jump all over this when it comes back. Yeah, I think when you do a, like a longer run, you're, you're, especially for something like the, like the X-Files, which has been pretty much far and away, like, talking about not, you know, putting the movies aside, hasn't been on TV in, like, nearly, what, 12, 13 years? 13 years, there? yeah. Carter actually said it's a 13-year commercial break. Yeah, so, <laughs> so, I mean, the thing is, you know, bringing something like that back, you kind of want to bring it back in small doses because a lot of fans, yes, there are a lot of fans who are big fans of X-Files, but when something has a hiatus as big as X-Files had, 
you want to bring back in small doses to get the people to come back. You don't want to give their, their medicine or, you know, all at once. It's kind of like a gallon of milk. You don't want to drink it all at once. You're just going to puke all over the place. You want to give it in small glasses. And I, I just hope that the plot they decide to go with is Mulder and Scully go after the douchebag from Asian Aliens with the weird hair. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's what they should do. They should go after that guy and silence him once and for all because I can't stand that guy. <laughs> aliens. Uh, but but our next story deals with something that's, I think, a lot of shocking. James, felt you felt, you felt very strong about this. So uh, last week's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number 44 comic, readers got a bit of a shock as one of the turtles was killed. And here's a spoiler – it's Donatello, who was beaten at the hands of Bebop and Rocksteady. Now, some fans are doubting if he's dead, uh, despite Rocksteady going all Triple H on him, pretty much, and taking a sledgehammer mm-hmm. to his shell. And, James, you felt kind of, uh, well, kind of strong about this, in a sense. Well, Donnie's always been my favorite turtle, because he was the smart one. He was the nerd, just like, you know, just like we were growing up. So I kind of gravitated toward him. Plus, I mean, I never thought the staff was a weak weapon. I actually kind of liked it. Plus, it was one of those things where you could pick up a stick in the yard, and you could be Donatello. It's just that simple, you know? If you didn't, as a kid, take, like, a uh, a roll of paper towels, an empty roll, a cardboard roll, and tie or tape two of those together and make it a bow staff. You never had a childhood. Right. Um, also, but the thing is, like, people think, like, oh, we had a bow staff. Yeah, and Mikey had nunchucks. You know what nunchucks are normally used for back in the day? They're known for harvesting rice. They're yeah. farming tools. Yeah, quite deadly, I must say. <laughs> so, but, I'm um, sorry, a bow staff? It's like, I'm sorry, it's, it, you know, that's the thing. It's like, I'm sorry, but the only way you can beat, uh, was it Rocksteady? And the old Teenage Mutant Ninja video game was with your Donatello, jumped on top of the boxes, and just pretty much bow staff at the top of the head. He couldn't attack you. Exactly, and that's a smart little cheat for those of those who don't know yeah. in that game. But, uh, yeah, and, and it was, and the whole sledgehammer thing, if you saw the panel, it was brutal. Oh, yeah. Now, for those people who think, oh, well, how could they do that? Hey, Kevin Eastman is on this book. He's the co-creator of the Ninja Turtles, so, I mean, you can't just say that somebody like Michael Bay came in and tried to change everything. No, <laughs> this is something that he decided to do, and then the panel of of Splinter holding Donatello, yeah. and Raft's pissed, and everybody else is crying, and... Now, Shredder did say to Bebop and Rocksteady, they were kind of teamed up, He told they told Bebop and Rocksteady, if Donnie acts up, kill him. Yeah. So that's one of the things that I think that I think that he might actually be dead. Now, I know it's comics. Nobody dies forever in the comics. But uh, I'm still kind of mad they decided to pick Donatello. Yeah. Because not just because he's my favorite. Like, oh, yeah, kill the nerd. Yeah, he's expendable. Let's just get him right out of there. And I'm not saying they should have killed any of the other ones either because I love them all. But yeah, kill the nerd. Way to go. But I think the thing is, if they end up saying, let's kill off Leonardo and see how the Turtles act without a leader. Like, who would take over That would have been them? interesting. That would have been super interesting and if you they pro- killed off Leonardo. And you probably would have had this inner conflict of, I don't think Mikey would be as strong as saying, I want to take over. It'd be between, I think, more Raph and Donatello. Oh, Raph would want to take over. And, There's and, no question about and it. And it would cause this inner turmoil where Raph would be like, I want to do this, this, and this. And Donnie's like, hey, we got to be smart. Let's do it this way. You know, Donnie would be more, I think, the Leonardo-esque type of a thing, mm-hmm. um, where Raph would be more on the attack constantly and everything he's else. more level-headed. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 and Michelangelo's not mature enough to lead anything, except yeah. maybe a pack of Boy Scouts or something. I don't know. So yeah. I, just, or, I just think that would have been a great story to go with. So, I mean, it's like, 
Okay, so you killed off Donatello. Where do you go with that? Yeah, or I mean, you know, going back to Michelangelo thing, he the only thing he can really lead is a uh, a maybe a mosh pit at Bonnaroo or something like that. You yeah, know? something like that. But I mean, I'm not, and I'm not criticizing the storyline at all. I think that for a book that was a little stale, I think we can admit that it was a little stale uh, to do something like this. To kind of bring people back in, it's a shock I, I to the system. I, I understand why you do it. I mean, I, I hate it, but I understand why you do it. And again, it's comics; nobody stays dead forever. So, does he come back to life? Do they bring uh, Vartox? Was it Vartox? Yeah, Vartox. And they got. Do v- they bring? Do they bring her in now? Yeah. What's the deal? So, I mean, I think it's. I'm still very interested to see uh, where they go with this. Yeah, the thing is, like, you know, with, with, you know, final thing I'll say about this is, you know, I think he's not dead. I think he's more like in a coma esque state. And I think what's going to happen is I think we're going to see more Donnie, like, maybe in limbo. I think if they're going to put him in any more panels outside of him maybe being hospitalized or whatever, it may be like, you know, him trying to get back to, you know, yeah. and stuff like that. Like, you know, being at kind of like a uh, a purgatory in a sense, maybe. Who knows? It, it was the line where, uh, I can't remember if it was Bebop or Rocksteady, said, that's gross. Did you think that's what it would look like on the inside that got me? Yeah. And that was the thing where I'm like, wow, he he's dead. Yeah. And it, it hit me hard, man. I'm not going to lie. Hit me hard, but uh, I know that nobody ever dies in comics for forever, so maybe there's a chance that he can come back. But speaking of coming back, Nick, a story that we reported on almost at the very beginning of Down and Nerdy has come back up to the surface, and it's the possibility of a Star Wars television series. Yeah, so first off, before we dive into this actual story... We've done three straight weeks of Star Wars news. I know, right? It's got, Star Wars is kind of that guy who posts photos on Facebook of like his how successful, quote-unquote, his life is. Like, look what I'm doing, or I'm doing this. And it's like, dude, we get it. We, we, so we get it. What you're saying is Star Wars is the gym selfies of Down and Nerdy? Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Or, or just news in general right now. But yeah, the latest update came from Cinelinks, uh, who said sources say that the live-action series is going to be aimed at Aaron ABC, of course, because Disney owns the rights. Uh, it's going to have Star Wars universe in a way similar to how Ages of S.H.I.E.L.D. serves Marvel Cinematic Universe, and they're going to pretty much put it on hold, though, until the, all the Star Wars movies are pretty much finalized. They know which way they want to go with it, which is smart. Very smart. Um, but they also tease, this is where I kind of maybe doubt a little bit, that they said they're going to use uh, a character in the Star Wars books, but here's the thing. Disney said that they weren't going to use them. They pretty much purged the entire books and alternate universes or whatever outside of the movie realm. So it's kind of like if you're going to have something that ties into the movies, why would you use something from the books? I think that we're, we're kind of taking that a little bit too literally. Saying that they're going to use a character from the books doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to use the canon from the books. You could take a character right. from the books and still use it. I mean, think about it. There's not a whole there's not a whole lot of canon on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., yet they're still using characters from the comics, So they're, and they're making it their own. So I think that in that sense, they will probably use some sort of a character from the books, because how could you not? I mean, if you've already got established characters, why wouldn't you use them? And there's a ton. Here's my thing, though. Isn't this what you thought Rogue One should be? Shouldn't Rogue One be the series and not a movie? Because I could, I could tell you, I can see where they would do, they could do a whole series based on the Rogue Squadron. Yeah. For the for the uh, for the Rebels, I think that would be super smart of them to do. Now, I'm not saying that they shouldn't do a movie. Don't you know? Don't kill me for that. I'm just saying that if you're going to do a TV series, that's what I would have picked. 
Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is, you know, we talked about Rogue One last week, and it's like, yeah, we would like to see maybe, hey, a show based on Rogue Squadron would be awesome, you know? It'd be, it really would be awesome. We're the star of Rogue Squadron, you know, and, and, and it, you know, we have a little love, love triangle between Admiral Akbar and a pilot, you know, you never know. <laughs> Plus, I mean, isn't that the kind of story that you want to tell over time? You don't necessarily want to cram it into a movie because you could, I could see going several seasons actually right? with that story. And now you're possibly seeing it going to be thrown into one movie. Maybe, maybe they'll do another one. Of course, it'll probably be a successful spinoff. I just think that would have been the smart thing to do. But, I mean, really, it's Star Wars. We're going to watch it. We're yeah. psyched for it. So, really, whatever direction they go, as long as it doesn't drag like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And I can hear my wife screaming in the background now, you need to stop picking on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. Well, it, or it'd be like, I, or picture this. What if it was like Top Gear, but with pod racers? Oh, that would be interesting. <laughs> I can see that. Yeah, why not? Let's do a whole pod racing Fast and Furious type deal. Yeah, like I said, like, like this episode on pod gear, you know, or, you know, yeah. and it's like, you know, Anakin's building his pod racer and it's got all these, <laughs> you know, it shows like, wow, this pod racer has like 400 cc's of like, you know, throttle and right. you know, driving at top speed and everything else. The last story, James, deals with something we're both very, very excited about for the world of Jim Henson. Down Fragger Rock. Down, down. Down to Frag Rock. Ah, oh, there's so much singing on the show. Oh, uh, but yes. no, it's very exciting because they're gonna have a, there's gonna be a live action Frag Rock movie, and guess who's gonna be a part of it? Yes, it is our good buddy. Speaking of singing and dancing, it's Joseph Gordon Levitt. Now, Nick, I don't know about you, but I don't know exactly what direction they're gonna go with this. Loved Frag Rock at all the seasons on DVD, by the way. Jameson's childhood's gonna be awesome. So here's what I think they're gonna do. Okay. I think that Joseph Gordon-Levitt will actually end up being the son of the original guy from the Fraggle Rock show. Right, yes. I think that's exactly what they're going to do, and then he's going to discover what his dad ended up, ended up discovering was that Fraggle Rock was just on the other side of the wall. Yes, yes, it, something like that. Uh, when I first saw this story... Now this is gonna—he's uh, gonna produce and star in it as well. Uh, it's a movie for a New Regency, the Henson Company, and Lisa Henson. When I first saw the story, the first thing that came to my mind was Fraggle. Fuck yeah! <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh, so like, excited. Now the thing is, like, I'm so excited about this. Now the way I can see this is going in terms of the Muppet movie, where you have Joseph Gordon-Levitt being the live-action human, mm-hmm. being in a world, if you will, of felt and wonderment and awesomeness, known as Fraggle Rock. I, I think that what they're going to do is it'll be kind of like maybe – I think he'll go to Sun Angle or maybe he'll like, you know, somehow be like a, an adventurer in a sense just stumble upon it. Yeah, um, that could be it too. Because, I mean, remember we have, that. you know, the, the Doozers and the, the Gorgs as well. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. maybe he, you know, stumbles upon them and he becomes kind of like their, their hope to save Fraggle Rock and band together. I can't wait to see this. I'm really, really excited uh, because – the TV series, it debuted in 1983, and it was a co-production by the British TV company Television South. It was also the Canadian Broadcasting Corp, HBO, and Henson Associates, mm-hmm. a lot of people involved. If I remember and, there was an animated series, too, for a yeah, short stretch. Yeah, um, yeah, outside of the live-action puppet uh, thing as mm-hmm. well. And I, th- I can't wait for it. It's going to be very, very exciting. Um, this is a really, really good time for us, because especially for if you're a big Jen Henson fan, 
uh, because like I have a distant cousin who actually works for uh, Sesame Street and stuff like that. He's actually a puppeteer, one of the head puppeteers uh, for Sesame Street, like the stage shows and everything else. So uh, it's a really, really cool time. And so, I mean, what's good is Lisa Hansen is going to collaborate on this project with Joseph Gordon-Levitt and everybody else involved. So I just think it's great that even after all these years and even after the mouse took over, they're very much honoring the Hansen family and want to make sure that they're a part of these so they can get these right. And what's great about this is that this movie has been in production for nearly a decade. They've been trying to get this movie together. Mm-hmm. And finally, it's kind of like, OK, we've cast somebody. Now we can move forward. I just think this is one of those rare times. Where I actually think it's good that it waited until now. Yeah. Because I think if it would have come out several years ago, it wouldn't have worked. Because how many things from our childhood did they try to adapt, say, even five or even, in my case, anyway, ten years ago? Not so much for you, but in my case, ten years ago. uh, They tried it and it didn't work. So I'm glad that they waited until now. And I'm kind of, it's almost like they use the Muppet movies as practice. So now we can actually get, we, we say, okay, so the first two Muppet movies have been good. So now we know that this Fraggle Rock movie will probably be good too. Exactly. So, I mean, you look at it and that's what they did. I believe that's what they did. They looked at, they gauged interest. Okay, if we did a Muppet movie or a couple new Muppet movies, uh, how would we get the reaction from it? I love the, the first Muppet movie, the new one that came out a couple years ago. Muppets Most Wanted, I wasn't really a big fan of in terms of the music, but I, I like Tina it overall. Fey. I blame Tina Fey. I don't blame Tina Fey. I just, <laughs> there was, it, I, when it came to the music in Muppets Most Wanted, it was more like, uh, for example, in the in the Muppet movie, uh, which came out a couple years ago, you had songs like, I am, you know, am I a, I'm a Muppet of a Man and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And they were really, you know, Stuff you can sing today and you would know the lyrics. Whereas in Most Most Wanted, there wasn't really a song that stuck out really to me. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But, I mean, I'm very excited for this. I know that you are too. And how about Joseph Gordon-Levitt stretching his uh, acting abilities there? He wants to do Sandman with Neil Gaiman and now he wants to do Fraggle Rock. Yeah, and he's also (laughs) doing a couple other movies as well. And and it's just like... Yeah, he's in a Robert Zemeckis movie coming out, I think. Yeah. And he's got his whole, you know, his hit record series going on television as well and the guy's just, a chameleon he he's he is can you imagine going back in a day and i know a lot of people bring this up but going back to third rock from the sun and you see joseph gorlet then and you say there's no way this guy is going to be what he is now you know he's going to be anything he's yeah. going to be one of those other child or teenage actors you know like a full house kind of a thing where he goes on and does maybe some smaller independent stuff, but never really it's, does his own thing, hits the, the big time at it's all. It's funny that you bring that up because I think that more people thought that French Stewart was going to be the breakout star from the <laughs> show. <laughs> Don't you agree? And then that never happened. But well, it's I funny. Mean, it's kind of hard. I mean, hey, French Stewart had like one movie that was like in the 90s, yeah. I remember. He was yeah. like the main guy. And it's like, even then, it's like, dude, you're, you're in... A, a, a darkened bedroom or a darkened room, and yet you're still like you're staring into a sun. Yeah, yeah. But I, I gotta say that Third Rock from the Sun probably one of the most underrated sitcoms of all time. But I'm sure that's another that's another story for another show, I guess. Yeah, but quickly, I'm French Stewart. Okay, so while Joseph Gordon-Levitt goes on does like Dark Knight, you know, uh, Dark Knight Rises, and uh, all sort of stuff. French Stewart goes on and makes Inspector Gadget 2. French Stewart can't even get cast in a Geico commercial. Okay? Uh, that's, no. that's he uh, And he was actually going to be a Geico lizard, too. Oh, gosh. Well, then, <laughs> like, the, then the lizard wouldn't be able to see where he was going. So. It should have made him... The, like, if, if you go back to The Amazing Spider-Man, if they 
Uh, instead of making the lizards uh, CG, they could just put French Stewart in there without any makeup. <laughs> They really it looks could so have. much like a lizard. They really could have. That's that's the scary part, and that's, but, that's unfortunate. Yeah, I mean, who knows? Maybe they have a Fraggle Rock comic you can pick up at Fantasyscape Comics and Cards. You know, you never know. You know, I mean, it, we can see something like that happening as the movie comes out and everything else, and we're building up towards this whole universe. But that's going to do it for Nerd News. Come up next, we're going to talk about animalities and Street Fighters and Houses of Dead and all the other terrible, terrible, terrible video game movies. And what can we expect as the years roll on and what other video game movies could we like to see coming out in the future? Stay tuned. More Down and Nerdy coming up next. Here on the Down and Nerdy podcast, we love great games. And sometimes we love button mashers. But sometimes we just want to take that remote control and smash it to pieces. Because when it comes to video game movies, that's what we're going to be talking about this week. Nick, it's been a struggle over the years. Let's just put it mildly. The struggle has been real, in a sense. Like It's, it's just, for some odd reason, video games just don't translate well to the big screen. I don't know why that is. Well, I think one of the reasons why it is, and we'll start kind of in the past here, is that, I mean, if you look at the original NES games and you look at the even original Sega games, there wasn't a lot of storyline. It was basically, I mean, you had worlds that you would go to and there were things you would need to accomplish, but there's no real story to follow. And even in, like, Zelda, there wasn't really a Legend of Zelda, the original, there wasn't really a story to follow. So to adapt that... To a movie? Well, I think that was the difficulty because you're basically writing a script for something that doesn't have one. Well, that's the thing. And also with the first Super Mario Brothers game, even for all of them, they were like on the NES and Super Nintendo, there wasn't much of a story other than our princess is in another castle and go through this pipe and go to this other world. There wasn't like story structure like there is now, where in video games now like the Order 1886 and all the others, Mortal Kombat X, they all have stories mm-hmm. that play out and for the most part they play out really really well so in a sense in a sense i think the video game industry is kind of looking at this like well our actual product doesn't transfer well over to the main big screen so what mm-hmm. the hell let's make our own movies within our own games yeah and let's start with super mario brothers and how well that ended up working out because <sighs> man i gotta tell you if, if we're if we're looking at, a, if I had to say what some of the really bad ones were, I think that would be, I don't know if I would call it the worst, but it's got to be at the top of the list. Yeah, Super Mario Brothers was terrible. So I did some research, as we always do each week for our main topics and our entire show. And I told James, I said, you know, I'm gonna, I got to watch some, some terrible films. And the first one was Super Mario Brothers. And the thing was, when you look at, the actual poster, let's start with the poster first of all. It has a quote from the Washington Post that reads, and I quote, it's a blast. That's all it says, it's a blast. And then when I saw that, I go, yes, it's a blast of shit. Yeah, and that's why you'd need to call a plumber because that toilet would be done. It has, there was three problems, major problems that were within that you only, film. You only found three? Well, I didn't <laughs> want if I wrote, if I honestly wrote everything wrong within that movie, I would have probably had about 20 things, and this main segment would probably run about two hours. <laughs> and there was no warp pipe to take you from World 1 to World yeah, 4. <laughs> there was no warp whistle, pretty much. But the first uh, problem was it had two directors. It had Annabelle Lankel and Rocky Morton. Now, Lankel, here's a... You want to know how bad this movie was? I'll tell you how bad it was. Lankel co-directed Super Mario Bros. in 1993, right? Mm-hmm. She didn't direct another film until 2005. Wow. Yeah. Wow. 
<laughs> just lock yourself in a closet and pray no one remembers that for like a decade. Uh, Rocky Morin, who's worked on other projects with it, they worked on Make Max Headroom together and a couple other oh, films prior to Mario Brothers. That's not good. He did Mario Brothers 1993. Didn't direct anything until 2004, and it was a short film. Actually, I think if you if you attach yourself to Super Mario Brothers and Max Headroom, you deserve a decade of punishment. So <laughs> they got exactly what they deserved because. Come on now. Yeah, it shows how bad the movie really, really was. And it, again, shows the problem with filmmaking where when you have two directors, it's not going to end well. Like the no, Russo brothers no. are exception to that rule because they're brothers. They have the same wavelength, so mm-hmm. it tends to work out. You know, uh, Second problem with it is the entire plot of the film. They, Yeah. They Second s- problem, it just happens to be the entire plot. <laughs> the entire plot. Every last bit of it. Well, because they said it in like an alternate real world as an invasion type of film. You don't do that. No, you, no. You, you don't do that. Like, That's like making Ninja Turtles from outer space. Yeah, it's you, you just don't. And Bob Hoskins says in the opening narration, what if dinosaurs evolved like us and invaded our world? Pretty much saying, what if dinosaurs turned into uh, humans and wanted to take over our world? Poor Bob Hoskins, God rest his soul. <sighs> yeah. Oh, gosh. Oh, God. I mean, but like, I'm like, this movie wouldn't have worked out because, A, you don't... You, the thing is that you have, like, small animatronic dinosaurs. When you can make Yoshi, like our actual Yoshi, mm-hmm. but you say, you know what? We can't make a whole actual world, so we're going to stick it in, like, a Blade Runner-esque type of world and just put people everywhere pretend that they evolved. No. <laughs> the thing that bugged me the most was the humanoid Goombas and stuff. Yeah. That was really weird and creepy. Like you said, you can make a little animatronic dinosaurs, but you can't make a little Goomba guy or and, something. I mean, and they, made, and they made Toad a fucking panhandler. Too. Yeah, that, that's not cool at all. I mean, I know he's a treasure hunter now for that new Wii game, but come on. That's just, I mean, my God, man, it's just... <sighs> it's just, and I was reading articles too because I was like just doing research on the on the movie. People were like, oh, this is why it was damned because it did that. No, it fucking sucked because it did that. It was just bad, and it's not. It's like I'm sorry, but you could have made like an. I know the, the Super Mario Super Show wasn't good, but you could have made an animated film. You had to go full I, on. I liked the Super Show. I liked the Super Show. Ah. It was fun. It was fun. It wasn't meant to be taken as this grand, you know, wonderful, awesome cartoon series. It was just fun. So, especially after the movie was so bad and getting ha- getting to have the animated series, I think that's a cult favorite. I still liked it. But we had actually, uh, we were asking people on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash nerdy. you know, what's your favorite and what's your worst video game movie. We actually got a ton of responses. We did. Uh, I want to start off with Daniel says, Resident Evil was the best movie based off a video game. Super Mario was awful. He goes, but the best movie with video game elements is Edge of Tomorrow. Okay. Uh, Cassandra says, dude, Wreck-It Ralph was great. Ivy says, first Resident Evil flick is outstanding. Need for Speed was terrible. Mm-hmm. Scott says, the best film, Street Fighter. Worst film, Street Fighter. <laughs> So he's got a love-hate relationship yeah. with Street Fighter. Yeah, quickly on Street Fighter, like, I like Raul Julia, but the problem with that film was the guy that did, like, Commando and he, he did Die Hard 1 and 2, directed it and he wrote it. It tried it, – it, two things. 
You can't name a movie Street Fighter and not have any fighting in it, barely. I know. That was the weird part of that movie for me. It's like, really? You're going to call it Street Fighter and then have no fighting at and all? And the second was they try to make it too much of a comedy. I'm like, no, no. you don't do that. No. Uh, Trevor says, best was Tomb Raider, worst was Mario. Okay. Matt says, he would be curious if Double Dragon makes any more sense as an adult. <laughs> <laughs> Is it bad that I forgot there was even a Double Dragon movie? I know. I really did. I forgot about that. I had to go back and look it up. I'm like, oh, yeah, shoot, there was a Double Dragon movie. But, I mean, I don't think we really have a best and a worst because there's been so many bad ones over the years. Like, people, a lot of people liked uh, Final Fantasy movie. Right. I didn't like it. I thought it was boring as hell. Right. Yeah, as far as favorites, we'll get to those in a little bit, but, like, I'll get to mine. My, I love the Mortal Kombat movie, the first one. Oh, yeah, me too. I think that's one of the gold standards By- of previous Video game movie. I'll, I'll get to why it's my favorite in a little bit because I want to think there's actually more people that wrote in stuff too. So I want to get to their things first. My least favorite, I don't know because it's, it's just it's kind of like you have that gold nugget in a pile of shit. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you can go Mario book. by default if you want. Yeah, yeah, I, I because, could. Well, I mean, Need for Speed, I think that's right up there because you know, anytime you it's try to make a, for speed. you try to take a driving game, a movie, that'd be like pole position, the movie. I mean, it just doesn't work. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, Steve, uh, Steve says Super Mario Brothers is my least favorite. It's painful to watch. It, it really is. I mean, and, you remember how hyped you were when that movie came out, though? I was a kid, so I wasn't really hyped about it. You know? Yeah, but when you're a kid, you get excited. I mean, that was a that was probably a big game for when you, and then kid, all of a sudden, here's a movie for it. You're like, all right. When you're a kid, you get excited about the most menial shit ever. Right, you know? exactly. But even as a kid, you probably knew that movie was bad. You know, like my mom had like a triple A keychain, and I'm like, and I was like four. And I'm like, ooh, I like that. Well, my you son know? just tried to put my keys in his mouth yesterday, so let's just yeah. let's just go right past that altogether. Yeah, your wife's gonna love it when she hears that yeah, too. That's right. Uh, and then last was Tobias, who said, "I'm often the minority on this, but the first Mortal Kombat is a lot of fun. Need for Speed is his least favorite because, quote, the damn plot doesn't get started until 40 minutes in, and it's rough." Yeah, it's it's just. Anytime you try to adapt a game like that to a movie, it's just not smart. I don't understand why anybody tries to do that. I, I just don't know. It's like, you know, I mean, board games are different, but video games is just like, God, like, like who thought Need for... I understand, Aaron Paul, you want a paycheck after Breaking Bad. I really, really do. Yeah. But, dude. Yeah, you, you embarrassed yourself. Yeah. It wasn't, cause it's, it wasn't bad acting. You just embarrassed yourself. But I gotta yeah. say, as far as favorites for me... I, I agree. I think Tomb Raider's right up there. I think that the first one, not the second one, the first one was actually done pretty well, and it kept in line with the character pretty well. Was it a gem? No, it wasn't a gem. It had its problems, but it was also the only movie, in my opinion, Angelina Jolie was ever hot in, ever. <laughs> really? I'm sorry. I know some guys are like, really? Are you serious? I'm dead serious. Only one out of all of her movies. Is your wife in the room by any chance? No. Or? No. Just saying. <laughs> only, only movie she was ever hot in. I've told my wife that. Really, like Mr. and Mrs. Smith, dude. Like, I, come on. I mean, it was okay. <sighs> she was all right. She, she said the same thing. What do you mean, Mr. and Mrs. Smith? I'm like, not Tomb Raider. Nope. <sighs> God. There I, were you... just, there were just plenty of things in that movie that worked. Just saying. <sighs> You're a terrible person. You really. <laughs> <laughs> You, I, I don't, I, I just... Hey, at least I don't love the second movie. 
Well, Cradle of Life wasn't really that great, but well, well because still. the story didn't make any sense. I mean, that's, well, that doesn't help. I'm shocked that nobody said Max Payne. I'm shocked nobody said House of the Dead. Max I'm, Payne wasn't good. It just wasn't. <laughs> they sure. tried. Hey, they tried. Good for you guys. I understand why you tried to make that movie. I mean, Hitman's another one where it was okay. It wasn't terrible, but it right. wasn't good either. And I know they're going to try and make another one, and that one might be better. No. I, have you seen a trailer for that? It looks horrible. You never know. Uh, I, I don't know, dude. But, I mean, the thing about Max Payne, the game that pissed me off a lot was you couldn't save it wherever you went. Like, no. Like, like, literally, like there was checkpoints you could save, but they were literally like very few and far between. Yep. So you would save your game, and then you'd get so far, probably like a half hour into playing until you could find another save spot, and then you yeah. die, and you go all the way back. Yeah, and you're all like, the way where back. the hell is – and then you think you missed it because it's taken you so long to get there. Yeah, I've totally been there. Unlike Tomb Raider, the new one where there was like, hey, we know this game's hard, so we're going to give you plenty of places to save your well, save your progress. Well, that and also it just had autosave feature. That's why a lot of games now have right. an autosave feature, which right. I like. You know, but it's just – it's just – I don't I, – I think one of the pitfalls, too, uh, of video game movies is that you get directors who probably never played the games or – I think that's a safe bet. And I think they get they say, oh, it's a – and plus I think they go into it knowing it's a video game movie – we're just going to fucking phone it in. This like, is what know. happens, though, when you've got to write a script from scratch based on something that has no real story to work with. Yeah. I mean, other than certain... Like, Tomb Raider kind of did. Um, Resident Evil's another one that, that kind of had a nice story. But that's how things evolved from the first-gen consoles, I guess we can call them. As consoles evolved, so did storytelling in these games. So I think that's how... These movies kind of started getting better. Yeah, and, and I, go to, I want to go back to the Mortal Kombat movie. And why it's my favorite? Because there's a rule I have when it comes to video game movies: it's never go full video game. Oh yeah, that yeah, that should be the golden rule right there. Yes, never go full video game. And the first Mortal Kombat movie didn't do that because it knew it was Mortal Kombat, right? But it played it and wrote it more as a fantasy type of movie, right? Where you had these people going into this island and outworld and everything else. You know, of course, you had guys shooting ice balls and scorpions had a spear and everything else. And you had Goro, of course. But again, it was aware of what it was, mm. but it, it took it seriously. Like, it, it was like, hey, we know what it is. And plus, it came out in 96, and that's when Mortal Kombat was huge at that time. Right. So, it was the exact right time to do that. Yeah, and, I mean, and it was kind of an uneasy team-up movie, too. So they kind of had that whole, like, Mortal Kombat Avengers-esque kind of yeah. thing going on, too, before everybody was doing that in every movie now. There's, and there's actually a Mortal Kombat. When you buy I bought the uh, Mortal Kombat Blu-ray. It came with Mortal Kombat, Mortal Kombat Annihilation, which I'll get into a little bit, and then Mortal Kombat Legacy. And it also, it's the bonus feature is there's also the animated film I did, like, in the 90s, like, when, yeah. like early, early 90s. And they had, like, you know, all the fights are 3D fights. Mm -hmm. They look like, remember the game Virtual Fighter? Mm -hmm. Like, they had Virtual Fighter graphics. I'm like, wow, I know it's early 90s, but it's so terrible. Oh, gosh. Oh, my God. And and it was just, uh, yeah, when you look at, at the first movie, again, it had, you know, Liu Kang. Even we didn't see him do the whole dragon thing. We didn't even see him nope. do a fireball until he shot, shot uh, Shang Tsung off of the ledge and onto the spikes. Mm-hmm. You know, they kept it, and they kept, and it had fighting in it. It had 
fighting. It had plenty of fighting. And of course, you know, you get to see Sub-Zero do his thing. And Scorpion got to do his thing. And I actually thought they killed them off a little too easily. Yeah, to be honest. But the Johnny Cage Scorpion fight is literally probably the best fight in the entire movie. Oh, no doubt, no doubt. And then you also had your know, Reptile and how it was pretty cool how Reptile because you know how now and even in the earlier iterations of Mortal Kombat, Reptile was of course a reptile underneath kind of like a human skin in a right. sense. And how you see Luke Kang kick him into that statue and he becomes a human form. It's like mm-hmm. that's pretty cool. That was really cool. You know, but I think that when you get into Annihilation. New writer, new director, went full video game. It was yep. like, we okay, we have an extended roster, and I believe this came out at the time, more kind of at three, I believe, came out. I, I know think that's like, right around, yeah, I think it was right around three, maybe borderline four. Yeah, uh, and here's the thing about it is the, the, the writing is just terrible. Like, the acting is bad. Like, they, like the guy that played Liu Kang was great. Like, like he's he's only good part. Yeah. And the thing, and even the girl who played Katana was good too. But, you know, other than that, none of the original cast came back other than those two people. Yeah, and I think that's, again, where there was a pitfall that came in because if you're going to do a second movie like that and it's based on a video game and these are characters you're familiar with, if you can't get the same people back to play the characters that they were playing, then that's, that's a problem. Well, Sonya didn't have... You know, in the, in the first movie, Sonya had that attitude. You know, she had that fuck mm-hmm. you kind of attitude. Mm-hmm. And the, in Annihilation, Sonya, the girl that got to play her, I'm not going to lie. She looked a lot like a valley girl in a sense, kind of like. And, and all her responses like to Jax and the else would be like, Jax, oh, Jax. Yeah, and, that's and, not, and that's not the character. And it's not the character. It's just, it was bad. And, you know, it was just, when I looked at it, I'm like, okay, they went full video game. Again, they saw, okay, we have a huge roster of people. Just just throw everybody in there. Fuck right. it. Let's just throw everybody in there. Let's have Raiden lose his powers and everything else. And it was just, it was so bad, dude. I, I, I literally, it took me two days to watch it. It was just that terrible. Yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate that, I mean, but, you know, it was almost like even though I enjoyed the first movie so much, I kind of wish they just stopped. Just left it there. Let that be the legacy for the Mortal Kombat movies. You know, let that stand on its own. I know that the temptation's there because the money's there. You know, you want to make another one. I would have stopped, and then that could have been the gold standard video game movies. Well, here's the thing about Mortal Kombat Legacy, because the first season was great because they showed, you know, they had Brock, because it was was set in the real world, for example. Like, Kano gets his face burned, and he gets the metal part piece on his face, so it's pretty cool. And then in the real world, they had, like, Scorpion didn't shoot a spear out of his hand. He used it as an actual weapon, like, attached to a rope. Right. And the first season was really good. You know, like, Baraka, for example, he wasn't this Tarkatan warrior. He was this doctor who was a plastic surgeon who had this big... He used to experiment on people, and he experimented on himself. He gave himself, like, some sort of injection in his face to get that Baraka-esque look. And then he, like, sharpened his teeth, and then he also, like cut and, and put razor blades inside of his ra- – or, yeah, blades inside of his arms. Right. And, like, Reptile was a guy who had a disease from birth and is kind of a cannibal and everything else and is deformed horribly. And it was really good. Get to the second season, it's all rehash of this is what happened the first season. This mm-hmm. is what happened the first season. And Scorpion works alongside Sonya and Jax, and it's like – where is that? You know, it's all about like it went on Scorpion's life and everything else, but it was again, it was all 
here's what happened last season. Let's bring you back to what happened. It's like, no, you're not progressing the story at all. That's all the second season was to me. And, you know, going back to Jax and Annihilation, in the first movie, Jax was pretty cool because he was very level-headed for the little time he was in the movie. He was very level-headed and everything else. This Jax Annihilation was like the stereotypical, he was a stereotypical black guy, which was sad. And it's just like, I'm sorry. And Ray's like, fine, well, you don't need those metal arms. Mm-hmm. Find it within yourself. So, metal arms, punching Mataro doesn't do anything to him. However, when you dig deep into your heart and you don't have your metal arms anymore, you can knock the shit out of Mataro. I have a mm-hmm. fucking centaur. Yeah, I totally understand. That's part of the problems that I had with it, too. But now, looking ahead, Nick. Okay. Video games have changed, especially in the PS3 era and the Xbox 360 era. You know, we started to get more cinematic and even more so with Xbox One and PS4. So now things are getting a lot... Everything has a story. You mentioned Mortal Kombat X. Who would have ever thought a Mortal Kombat game would actually have a story mode? Something like Injustice. Even fighting games now are having story modes. So now we know there's going to be more video game movies made like The Last of Us and Tomb Raider. You know, Tomb Raider's even got the comics that tie in. You can get those at Fantasy Escape Comics and Cards of Virginia Beach. So what I'm saying here, and my big question to you, are we looking at an era in which video game movies are actually going to turn that corner and become legitimate good movies now? Uh, no. <laughs> well, thanks for at least thinking about it first. Okay, but why? Because no. No, because, uh, because here's the thing. The way that video games are now, okay, take, for example, Arkham Knight, okay? Say, for example, you know it's going to sell a lot of games and a lot of units of and everything else. Here's the problem with a, a game like Arkham Knight, and even, a, a, uh, this is why I'm worried about The Last of Us. Arkham Knight, for example, is run off of who is the Arkham Knight, right? Mm-hmm. So when you beat the game, you know who the hell the Arkham Knight is, so why mm-hmm. make a movie about it? Well, I think in that instance you probably wouldn't. Right. You know, as far as Last of Us, you have to be careful because, again, I, I was talking to somebody the other night and they were telling me, you know, we were talking about zombies and stuff, and they were telling me, you know, how it's kind of getting pa- very passe, very like, you know how people are getting zombied out, how we're zombied out? I'm waiting out. for it to be over. I've been people waiting for start- it to be over for years. Well, I had another person who was getting very zombied out by it. See, you know, he wants to do, he's like, okay, I'm watching a zombie movie, but I'm not watching The Last of Us, you know what I'm saying? It's like, it has elements of it, it has a story, but... See, that's the only thing I'm worried about with The Last of Us movie, because I'm not a zombie guy, I'm not a zombie movie guy, I don't want to go see a zombie movie when I go see The Last of Us. I want to see a Last of Us movie, not a zombie movie. Just like Tomb Raider. I think Tomb Raider has a chance to be really, really good, because they don't necessarily have to adapt the exact story from the game. Yeah. They could start it off at a different point, but with the same characters. So, And you could even have flashback elements from the game so it makes sense. You know, not a lot, but you know, like flashbacks for like Roth and stuff like that when he dies. Yeah. And of course the end sequence there, for anybody who hasn't played it, I don't want to totally ruin it for you. So, because I know the remastered versions is coming out for PS4 and stuff like that, <laughs> but... Um, I think that that's one of the instances where you can do really well. And I think that the storytelling, especially like you mentioned, The Order 1886, and I know people are bashing that because this is not a whole lot of gameplay and it's a lot of uh, cinematic type stuff. Yeah. Well, you could probably make a movie with that because 
that's what you're getting is a lot of cinematic stuff. Well, in the end, though, you, you, sh- you can't make a movie out of that because that's all it is. You know what I'm saying? You're, it's like you're, it's all it is is a movie pretty much. It comes out to be. So you can't – you know what I'm saying? It's hard to to make a movie off of something that's directly pretty much mostly – it's 80% of it is just uh, – other than repetitive gameplay, it's just cinematics. Well, you cannot that, skip. Then that begs the question. Do we need video game movies at all anymore? I don't think we've ever really needed them. It's just that they're never going to go away because it's a wave to make money. It was, and even if they even if they suck, you're still going to have that niche of people that are still going to go see, see it. That's true in a sense, but if you think about a lot of the video game movies that have come out, they haven't made a ton of money. Like Need for Speed did not make a ton of money. Even the last several Resident Evil Evil movies did but not again, make a ton of the, money. But again, what was the budget of those? Because I, I worked when the last Resident Evil movie came out. I worked in the movie theater at that time, and the theater was actually kind of packed for that. I'm not going to lie. Well, week one is, is one story. No, you know, I'm talking the, about, like, week two. It's a little bit into week two. It was still kind of packed. But, yeah, the, as, like, halfway in week two, it starts to dwindle down and dwindle down, and then nobody goes anymore. I mean, I guess the de- you need to figure out the definition of making money. How much money does it have to make in order to be considered a success? I mean, I, if you make your money back, great. But what kind of profit are you looking at? Right. Right. I mean, I don't know. It depends on the profit. I think you're looking at movies being made for maybe like 20, like video games maybe made for like 20 million or something like that. You and, know, and that's the problem 15. too. Sometimes when you have that low budget, it shows. Oh, yeah. And that's part of the problem with video game movies too. You give it a low budget, what's going to happen? Yeah. Well, plus, look at like Silent Hill 3D, right? Uh, that was the second movie that came out after Silent Hill, of course. And you can tell the entire budget just tried to go to that 3D look and it just didn't pan out. I saw it in theaters and I'm like, this is just no. <laughs> you know, no, this isn't good at all. And I mean, it's just, where are we going now with video game movies? I don't know, dude, because like I said, it's one of those things where you want them, to, as a nerd, you want them to be good. You literally say, okay, I want you to get your shit together and I want you to be good. But you just know that it's never really going to happen that way and I think what we're going to end up seeing is we're going to end up seeing a lot less video game movies being made. We're still going to see them, but not to the point where they were being made five, ten years ago or you know however years right. ago. Because, again, we're in that PS4, Xbox One era where the cinematics look like an actual movie. Now, you know, going like a movie like Super Mario Brothers, I'd love to see them do another Super Mario Brothers movie. If two things, if you were going to, God forbid, do another live-action Super Mario Brothers movie, make it like Scott Pilgrim, where you're aware that you're in that world, you know what I'm saying? And then uh, they get that. But, I don't know. But in reality, the better off position would be go 3D movie. Like go like you know 3D animated. That's what I was just going to say. It needs to be that. It cannot be a live action. I just don't think it works. It does not translate. Not for Super Mario Brothers. Just like, it'd be like trying to make a live action Sonic movie. Could you imagine well, what that would look well, like? Why do you think I said God forbid? Yeah, I just don't think that that's the way to go. I think that, I mean, if you don't, net, give it to Netflix. Yeah. Let Netflix do it. Netflix is doing the revival of Inspector Gadget in a very, very similar animation style. I think that's the animation style you'd need to do a Mario movie in. And that, maybe that would have a chance. But again, I still think for anything Mario, storytelling is going to be a problem. I think in the overall grand scheme of things, I think that the storytelling has gotten so good in video games and the, and the, the cinematic progression that we've had over the years has been so good. I don't think we need video game movies anymore. And the point that you made about Arkham Knight was the point that I was going to make right here at the at the end of our conversation about this was that once there is, there's that big reveal, yeah, that's what you wait for in the game. You go to see a movie and you already know what the big reveal is. 
that kind of takes, you know, the wow factor away from the movie. And in, in movies, like in our superhero movies, even though, you know, they're adapted from comics for the most part, there's still a wow factor in all of them. They yeah. find a way to give you that wow factor, and that's one of the things we love about them. I don't know that you can do that with video game movies because I think it's it's different. Maybe that's a little bit hypocritical because of what I just said. I just think it's different. I think it I think it's a different animal than than comic book movies. So I just think that because the storytelling's gotten so gotten so good in these games, you don't need them anymore. Can you imagine what Hollywood would be like? Okay. If they made a movie based off of E.T. the video game, like like if there was no uh, E.T., if E.T. the video game was just an original idea, like there was no movie that came out prior to it, like that, what, that would be bizarre. It would kill Hollywood and the video game industry. People would just say no to movies altogether at that point. It would be really bad. Although, how can we be sure that that new Adam Sandler movie, Pixels, how can we be sure there's not going to be an E.T.? A 8-bit E.T. flying across the skyline in that movie. You can't rule it out. You can't rule You cannot rule you it out. You never One, know. Well, that's going to do it for our show this week, folks. Again, thank you so much to everybody listening around the world as they do, as you do each week. Don't forget, you can hit us up on Facebook, facebook.com slash downnerdy. I'm on Twitter at Merc with one arm. Also, you can hit us up on Twitter as well at downnerdy757. James. I'm at James A. Switham. And, of course, you can always email us your fan questions, uh, downnerdypodcast at gmail.com. And thank you so much for submitting your fan questions and uh, actually responses for this week on our big video game topic. We've got some big things coming up for April. We will not be April foolsing you, by the way, because yeah. that's cheap humor and we don't do that here. So if anything comes out April 1st from us on the page or anything like that, it's going to be legit because we just, we don't go that route. It's just sloppy. Oh, because we're professional. We actually have, you know, morals. We're not hacky. Yeah. Let's just put it this way. We, I might be punny, but I'm not hacky. No, no, you're, you're not as well. Your wife's going to be hacking you up into pieces when she finds out, you know, so he said about uh, Angelina Jolie and, you know, how the whole stripper comments and how you want to go see Batman strip it all off for justice and everything else. She's going to kick your ass. I never said I wanted to go see it. <laughs> but in your mind, it plays constantly like on a reel. I don't know if Bruce Wayne stripping is really playing in a reel on my mind. That would be a whole different conversation well, by between stri- me and my wife. <laughs> well, by stripping, I mean taking off his mask and you're just like, take off the mask, take it off, take it off, do it, do it. <laughs> just, just, just constantly. It's kind of like that football reel where, you know, you pause and rewind and go back and forward, back and forward, kind of like that on a, on a rotation. <laughs> the mask, mask goes on, mask goes off. Mask, mask goes, goes on, on, mask goes, mask goes off. off. But again, that's going to do it this week. And as always, like I said, we told you where you can hit us up on social media and on email as well we do want to do a fan question episode so be sure to keep on sending your fan questions in when we have enough we will do that episode next week however we do have a special treat for you because we're going to talk about random nerd things next week pretty much everything in nerddom we're just going to have a random conversation about it anything so, goes so pretty much if you have an idea like it's just a random nerd thing you want to talk about just post it on our page again facebook.com slash down nerdy but as always I leave you with this nerds Pregnant Safe Comic Book Reading, always bag and board your comics.